Welcome back to Revive School. I'm Pastor Tom Schieffer, and guess what? Today we conclude this journey through Psalms. It is the end of Psalms, Lesson 98, Psalm 150. We're not done with the wisdom literature, the poetic books. That's going to carry on. We're not done with those, but we're wrapping up the book of Psalms today, and we're going to wrap it up with Psalm 150. Each of the last five Psalms, as you saw yesterday, and these three today that are in our daily reading, and I encourage you, do the daily reading. Read them all. Savor each of the moments that you have in the Word of God. They've all got something there to teach us about creation, about God's triumph. That's Psalm 148 and Psalm 149. But as we come to these last five, each of the last five begin with, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And each psalm just builds and increases in praise and joy till we come to this Psalm 150. Let's read it all the way through. Let's savor it. And then we're going to break it down and have some real fun today as, as we conclude our study. So Psalm 150. Hallelujah. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His wonderful acts. Praise Him for his abundant greatness. Praise him with trumpet blast. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with flute and strings. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath, everything that breathes, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah is a really, really great word. So let's begin there because here we have the English and literally in the Hebrew, it's a transliteration. It's one of those words that the Hebrew letters gets transliterated into the English so that we have that context. And so hallelujah is the Hebrew for praise. It actually then builds off of the name of God, hallelujah. What we get, because we have the J in there, is because of the transliteration as they were moving from the Hebrew into the Latin, and Latin doesn't have a Y, so they changed that to J. And that's where the word hallelujah comes from. But it's actually praise God. That's literally what it means. And so every sentence starts off with hallelujah, praise, What's also fascinating is each one of the five books of Psalms closes with a doxology, a giving glory to God. Um, with Mindy's painting, you know, the praise that's here with the birds, and that there's five of them, and we've reflected on the potential that here's the five books of Psalms, uh, and we've got that here, but each one of these books ends with a doxology. Psalm 41, Psalm 72, Psalm 89, Psalm 106, and we get here to Psalm 150. So 
On the other ones, there's portions of a doxology there. With Psalm 150, the whole psalm is a doxology. And it just wraps up the entire collection in a way that's just marvelous. Now, Psalm 150 today, um, as some commentators have stated and some uh, pastors as they're looking at it, there's no real teaching here. There's no real controversial aspect. There's no real explanation. It is an entire cry for all creation, every element of creation, to give Yahweh, the Lord, the praise due to him. Um, a commentator, uh, ancient, not ancient, but older, Alexander McLaren, and sometimes you can see some of his uh, writings around, the psalm is more of an artistic close to the Psalter. It is a prophecy of the last result of a devout life. And in its unclouded sunniness, as well in its universality, it proclaims the certain end of the weary years of the individual and the world. To position ourselves to give all the praise, all the glory to the one who is our creator, our, our author, our, our God, the one who wants relationship with us. And so everything that comes to us, we just kind of pull together into, into that, that realm of praise the Lord, praise God. Hallelujah. And I'm going to use some headings. I came across a sermon on Sermon Central by a, a pastor, Joel Pankow, and he took the hallelujah, that, that praise aspect, and helped us break this thing down. And so we're going to use it. So as we get to verses 1 and 2, we're going to see hallelujah. Pick out another one. Why? Why are we to praise the Lord? Here we got it in verses 1 and 2, because it's all going to point to the Messiah. It's all pointing to what God's going to do for us. And it says, hallelujah, give praise to God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness in his sanctuary. There's a reference to the temple, to the tabernacle, to us. And that element of the tabernacle now being with us as Jesus died and rose again in his people. So praise God in us and that our whole bodies give him. It's not just dwelling in this building. He's dwelling in us wherever he dwells. We want to praise God. Uh, there's an incredible implication to that for us. Praise him for his acts of power. Wow. This is incredible stuff. It's displayed in creation. We get to see how much that he's done, how great that he's done. It also carries with it this, this whole idea of God as our champion. Uh, he's won this incredible victory on the cross. Praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. That, that realm that Kyle's been teaching us on the, the vertical and the horizontal. Here is David in the midst of, and this is a divinic psalm, and it's listed as from David, but he's looking in his moment and all that God has done. But it's also prophetic, all that God is going to do, all that God is going to bring into full fruition. It's as though from the cross, here's what God says. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 to 20, uh, Kevin, if you would, as we just kind of look in, in, at this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him 
to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of the cross, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Right here, right now. It's an incredible miracle that we have. We get to stand before God. That's only possible through what he has done and won through our Messiah. And what he has done is just part of of who he is. It's all tied in together. Our adoration of him isn't to depend on our mood, our feeling, our circumstances. This is God. And he's shown himself to be God all the way through. Every page of scripture has this idea of worshiping God for who he is. And I stand in awe as we've gone through this whole journey of revived school. The the depth of who God is just keeps flowing forth from the pages of Scripture. So much of what passes as worship today misses the mark because the adoration isn't about me and what God does for me. It's about God. It's all about Him. It's recognizing Him for who He is. And, and we stand in awe. Let's, let's go back to the painting a second. We're going to get to a lot of these elements, but everything here is reflecting on who God is. The praise because of His creation, always with the, the birds, the flowers, that He's our rock. On Him we can stand. He has brought fruit. He has redeemed the fruit that was stained. He is king and has placed us on the thrones with him. We get to give him praise and glory, and he's consistent with everything of, of who he is and what he is. This is recognizing God for who God is, recognizing me for who I am, that we need him. I breathe for him. I live for him. I spend my life for him. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Jesus highlighted this for us. He was asked by one of the scribes, which command is the most important of all? And you remember what Jesus said. This is the most important. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. It's all focused on him. And that calls for concentration, for us to focus. We've seen that already in how David was saying, you know, keep my eyes focused on you. It's not about doing duty for duty's sake. It's about loving him for who he is. It's about praising the Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, for who he is, what he's done with every part of our very being. That's why we praise him. Now he moves into... In the second set here, the hallelujah, you know, building off of that, we're going to praise how. And here we get this in verses 3 to 5. How do we praise him? Oh, this is fun. Praise him with the trumpet blast. I wanted to bring my shofar. I didn't bring it on the plane. I just love to... You know, blow the trumpets like nobody's business. I mean, let it ring and resonate. Praise him with harp and lyre. We've got the the element of the ram's horn here in the picture even. We've got the element of the harp and the lyre, uh, both being stringed instruments. Uh, that, That element in one of the earlier psalms that we looked at and how 
um, even in his lament, I don't have the control of my right hand. That's the one you generally pluck the strings with. And, and not being able to give that joyous song. Praise him <laughs> with tambourine and dance. Hey, we got to do the little Josh dance. I don't know. You know, some, some of us don't dance very well. It doesn't matter. It means we're going to give him joy. And the tambourine, and then with the flute and the strings, all of this incredible thing. And then just to cap it off, Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Praise him with the clashing cymbals. I mean, crash and ring, crash and ring. This is one incredible praise band. And I don't know that any, any worship team actually uses this particular setup, but it was loud. It was boisterous. And you know, I, I, I could teach on each and every instrument here and all the varieties and all the textures. But that's not our purpose today. But I want you to see the variety here. The listing of the variety of musical instruments to use. Even if you don't have huge amounts of giftedness, you can praise him with anything that has motion. Trumpets, harps, lyres, tambourines, flutes, dancing, you name it. There is a pattern to this. When the ark was brought back to Jerusalem, remember, this is David here. He illustrates it. Kevin, let's go to 1 Chronicles chapter 15, uh, verses 27 and 28. Now David was dressed in a robe of fine linen, as were all the Levites who were carrying the ark. He finally got it right, he made, and that was a great thing. As well as the singers and Kenaniah, the music leader of the singers. They're leading the songs. They're playing it along. David also wore a linen ephod. Now watch, here he comes. So all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouts. The sound of the ram's horn trumpets and cymbals and the playing of harps and lyres. This is what he was talking about. This is absolutely incredible. This is marching band. This is parade. This is every instrument they could lay their hands on. And they're giving praise and glory to God. There's nothing hold it back. This instrumental theme, it comes out in a, in a number of places in Scripture. But I want to give you a couple of benchmarks because I think this is absolutely fun. Exodus 15, uh, verses 20 to 21. Miriam the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand. Now this is with the crossing of the Red Sea. And all the women followed her with their tambourines and they danced and Miriam sang. Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and its rider into the sea. There is praise going on, and they're joining together. But it's not just an exodus. Nehemiah. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 27. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they set for the Levites wherever they lived and brought them to Jerusalem to celebrate the joyous dedication with thanksgiving and singing, accompanied by cymbals and harps and lyres. Here's the instruments coming again. Verse uh, 51 and 52 of 1 Corinthians 15. Bring it into the New Testament just a little bit. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the blink of an eye, at the last trumpet. 
For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, incor- raised incorruptible and we will be changed. Now, let's take a moment here in our, our joyous mo- movement through Psalms. And there's debates over instruments being used in Scripture. What's expressly listed and what's expressly forbidden in Scripture, if any. And there are some traditions that say the instruments were really all Old Testament. If you go through the Old Testament, we see a lot of the instruments. First Corinthians, with a trumpet sound, we get some. But essentially, in, their, in the listings, there's not as many. So they say, well, if New Testament worship doesn't list any instruments, we won't just list any instruments. But it's all one word of God. That's my belief. That's where I'm coming from. And even what isn't mentioned in the Old Testament that's in the New Testament, it's used. And it's given this incredible, incredible joyous variety. And there's the point. We're, we're, we're free to worship God with incredible variety, to use our talents and our instruments to praise God's name. How are you going to praise the Lord? With anything and everything that you have at your disposal. You give it all to Him. And you give Him the praise. And then we get to the last verse. Hallelujah. Who? This is where it's important to get to this point. Is that a Dr. Seuss book? <laughs> Dr. Seuss book? Who? Yeah. Let all creation know who. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Here is why you praise Him. Here is how you praise Him. But always remember who you praise. It's not about your glory. You can be the best musician, the worst musician. You can be the best singer, the worst singer. You can be the best praiser, the worst praiser. It isn't about you. It is about God. It is about Yahweh. Everything points to Him. Let's not take adoration for granted. There's going to come a time when we're not going to be able to give Him praise. So let's take that time now. God has given each of us breath. And in that breath, let's praise the Lord. We're to breathe His praise. He doesn't care about our eloquence. He only compares, or cares about our sincerity and our obedience, that it comes from the heart, that we understand why, that we do it with every ounce that we have, but it's always focused on Him. It's always focused on Him. No matter what else happens, it's on Him. The psalmist doesn't say, hey, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to check. Uh, Kevin, they have been giving you all sorts of grief to get you to sing all the way through psalms. Because that's not your normal way of praising God. You appreciate it. How do you praise God? I'd say with everything I do, the excellence that I want to bring to Him is in what I do. It is another instrument that you can use. And let it come across. But he doesn't check you at the door and say, okay, let me hear you sing. If you can sing well, I'm going to let you in. No. He just asks, 
Do you have breath? Kevin, do you have breath? I do. Rich, do you have breath? Yeah, and I believe it says make a joyful noise, right? It does. It's a noise. You can make a noise. TJ, do you have breath? Yes. And he plays tuba. Tuba is the foundation of the band of God. That's, that's, the, that's the tuba player in me coming out. But you know what? You want to know something? When you read scripture, he even accepts praise from things that aren't even human. Here, take a look. Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say, Blessing and honor and glory and dominion to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Every creature. Don't miss this. And, and you can go back, Psalm 148, that we didn't look at here today, you know, but it, in, it was in our reading for today. Psalm 148, verses 7 to 11. This comes off too. Praise the Lord from the earth, all sea monsters and ocean depths. Here it goes on. Lightning and hail, snow and cloud, powerful wind that executes his command, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, And he doesn't stop there. Wild animals and all cattle, creatures that crawl and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, young men as well as young women, old and young together. Praise the Lord. Let them praise the name of Yahweh, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty covers heaven and earth. Every single thing that has breath is to praise the Lord. This song, this incredible psalm that caps all the psalms, begins and ends with the command to praise the Lord. We're to praise Him everywhere. That means all possible means necessary because of His mighty acts, because of who He is, We're to praise Him with a variety of instruments. We're to praise Him with triumphant expressions of worship in whatever means that brings. If it's in painting, it's in painting. If it's in in singing, it's in singing. If it's in technology and bringing across all of this incredible means to bring across the Word and the teachings of God, whatever it is, we give Him the praise. And then to live a lifestyle of adoration. For the best instrument of praise is an individual wholly committed to him. The best instrument of praise is an individual wholly committed to him. So I'm going to challenge you as we wrap up Psalms to take a couple of action steps, to take a couple of of positional action steps, to position yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, to be fully committed to him and to breathe into that. First, I invite you as a positional action step to be a worshiper in in everything that breathes, praising the Lord, to step forward from the role of observer to participant. We're all in the choir. Don't just watch. Engage. Go from observer to participant. Adoration is not meant to be passive. 
as if it's something we're just supposed to watch or listen to. We're to be fully engaged, lifting our praise to God, engaging our heart, our head, our hands. So ask yourself, really ask yourself. There's a, there's a danger in all of this where we, we like to look at others and point, but it's really always about us and evaluating us. Ask yourself if I'm just a worship observer. If I am that, what's keeping me from entering in? What's keeping me? What's holding me back from becoming engaged as a worshiper? Take that obstacle to the Lord. He's going to tell you. If you say and you ask him, what's keeping me from doing this? Is it the why? Is it the how? Am I wrestling with with who because of, of what's going on in my life? Ask him to reveal that obstacle and clear it away so that you can be an engaged worshiper, a participant. Second thing I want to encourage you as a positional action step, as a worshiper of God, make it a habit in prayer to tell God how much you love him, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when you're in the midst of the laments that we've been seeing in Psalms, even when you're in the midst of the imprecatory types of Psalm where you just want God's vengeance on those that have been against him or against you, even when you're in that lull, get in a habit to tell God how much you love him. I love you, Lord. And here's why. And I'm not going to stop. If you need help, try this. This is from an, a, a book, A Diary of Private Prayer by John Bailey. Try this prayer. Eternal Father of my soul, let my first thought be of you. Let my first impulse be to worship you. Let my first speech be your name. Let my first action be to kneel in prayer. Amen. If you need to own that, own it. And begin your day, but start that way. Position yourself to give praise to the Lord. The reason we're here, Jesus said, was to let our light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We're here to praise the Lord. We're here that everything we do points to him and points to our praise. When you realize the hallelujah why, that we're praising a God of compassion, a God of mercy, the rest starts to come into place. No matter who we are, the hallelujah how comes out, and we'll do it in a number of different reasons, in a number of different ways, but we're always focused on the hallelujah who, the hallelujah it is literally, every time you use the phrase, hallelujah, it's praise Lord. Praise Yahweh. Albert Day, back in 1952. And I'll close this way, and maybe this is a good way for us to end our psalms. We never really adore him until we arrive at the moment when we worship him for what he is in himself apart from any consideration of the impact of his divine selfhood upon our desires and our welfare. Then we love him for himself alone.
then we adore him, regardless of whether any personal benefit is in anticipation or not. Then it is not what he has done for us or what we expect him to do for us, but what he has been from eternity before we existed and what he is now, even if we were not here to need him and what he will be forever. It is that which captivates us and evokes from us the selfless offering of self in worship. That is pure adoration. Nothing else is worthy of the name. And with that, we conclude Psalms. But God has more in store for us tomorrow. And let's press on. God bless you.